This is Mind the Gap, brought to you by Calgary First Church of the Nazarene. We welcome you into a deeper discussion about current issues that divide us. This episode is part two of a discussion around Indigenous issues. The first part, episode six, gave a quick history and outline of these issues. So if you haven't already, I would encourage you to listen to that one first. In this episode, we will be discussing the polarization in the church that has been caused by these issues and practical ways that we can respond. Now, let's step off the pulpit and into the pews. We had a statement in our church when I was on vacation that was said by you know, one of our board members, right? Um, and I know that, so, because uh, I'm thinking yesterday again, what's the, the church's response to this? Like our mission is to go make Christ like disciples of the nations, right? You know, with a heart for God, passion for people. But what does discipleship look like? And what what is the gospel? Because you're saying, well, the gospel is restorative. The gospel is about shalom. The gospel is to 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 bring justice where there where justice has been lacking. Um, it, it isn't just what we traditionally think of as evangelism. Um, in fact, you know, there, there's a term I think it's like missional colonialism. The idea that that the colonialists, the European colonialists, use the missionaries and use that missionary impulse to yep. do what happened at the residential schools mm-hmm. and to oppress these people and. Uh, and so, you know, that, that kind of gives evangelism a kind of a bad, a bad name and missionary a bad name, you know. And I think when we talk about making disciples, it's got to be a, a much broader concept maybe than what we've been thinking um, about. And, you know, we have the Sixth Nation, right? You know, that whole... Sutina, yeah. Sutina, sorry. Sutina's right here. Yep. That's right, because, yeah, I think the other one is, I think, along number one highway, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But but they're close to us too, right? And then so we're there. Um, what is our responsibility? I know that Mark Buchanan. I know when he was pastor in BC, I think they did have a ministry yep. to Indigenous peoples. He'd yep. be a good person to talk to. Yep. But my daughter sent me um, a text uh, May twenty ninth. Do you ever talk about Indigenous reconciliation with the church? Mm-hmm. She asked me this. Yeah. There's a free online course through the U of A called Indigenous Canada. If you haven't taken it yet, I would strongly recommend it. It's really important to learn, to acknowledge, and to raise awareness for us as a leader. Not to be preaching, but as a descendant of colonialist settlers, I feel I have a responsibility and a calling to hold my family accountable and ensure that they're well educated and that the many injustices done to, and to address the many injustices done to Indigenous people. The more I learn, the more heartbreaking the truth is. Mm-hmm. It's for my daughter, who's not a not a Christian, but she really cares about this. So my wife Colleen is taking that course right now. Wow, good for she her. She is. Yeah, she's taking the tests and awesome. and you know all of that. And uh, she's she's just finished, I think, session three or uh, module three. But she's learning a lot, and so we've had a lot of conversations. Hmm. But I think you know, for me, is 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 you know, are, should we be having on our website, you know, that that we're on? Uh, how, how is it framed? We're on Indigenous lands. Yeah. Uh, uh, should we be doing that? Uh, should we apologize because of collective guilt? What does that look like? Um. There are people, I think, within our congregation that would probably object to that, um, you know, possibly. Uh, 
And, um, you know, so, you know, where, where, where does that leave us right now? Because I think that when we go down this road, um, so I just listened to uh, an interview that Carrie Newhoff did with uh, Tim Keller from mm-hmm. Redeemer Church in New York. And, and Tim Keller said, you know, uh, conservative evangelicals have two big issues. Okay, they're, they're pro-life and they're pro-marriage in the sense of the biblical relationship of a covenant relationship between a man and a woman, a monogamous relationship between a man and a woman. That's what they're committed to, and they defend that. What liberal Christians uh, believe in is racial justice and uh, justice for the poor and the marginalized. And that would, that would also include uh, gay people, mm-hmm. uh, transgender people, and, and that sort of thing. And so we have two political parties in the United States that represent both of those. But as soon as you get up in church and do a podcast like this, the one that we're doing, as soon as you get up in church and do what Alana did, people say, well, you're just bleeding heart liberals now. Uh, so you, you've identified yourself with liberal theology. Tim Keller, well, Tim Keller says, why can't we embrace all four? Yeah. 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 And, and I think, I mean, Brian, you said something that I'm sure um, a lot of yours might have might have perked up um, when you were, or it sounded to me anyways, like you were equating the gospel with justice. And it, it's not, it's not so much about um, reaching lost souls, but bring justice. Yeah, I don't think I would want to be understood. Thank you for clarifying okay. that. But I think justice is part of it. You know, that's what I'm saying. Like to say, you know, going back to Leslie Newbigin too, like, you know, because he would ask the question, what is the gospel? You know, like what 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 is the gospel? What is good news to an indigenous person? When we come with the good news, what does that look like? What does that sound like? How do we represent that? How do we be Jesus to that person? And so we would say, well, you know, Jesus died on the cross for your sins and you could be forgiven of every wrong thing you've ever done. Well, that's certainly a part of it. But um, the gospel includes so much more. I mean, Luke chapter four, where he said, you know, I came to set the captives free. And, you know, and you quoted Isaiah 58, you know, Shamal. So there's so much more to the gospel, I think, that what we often talk about and represent and i think so that goes into like what does it mean to make a disciple then what does it mean to do disciple making uh what does that actually look like what does a christ-like disciple do how does a christ-like disciple live so yeah Yeah, so i'm asking myself those questions yeah yeah but but i think that is the concern of, of people who who are concerned like like you know i've been looking to the whole crt um debate and it's I, I think there's a lot of people out there who once once they hear the word justice and especially like justice and gospel together, yeah. um, like that, that that that's really a negative thing because I think they that, that almost implies you know you're forgetting all these other parts of the gospel and I, I think that I think that can happen right like yes. I think that is something we have to be careful about is conflating like those two things yeah and maybe forgetting other other aspects of what the gospel, like, like if you just turn into somebody who's, who's been more concerned about, about justice, I guess maybe going back to what Sramal was saying, like ensuring fairness and equality mm-hmm. um, and emphasizing th- those parts of justice without this broader understanding of what, yeah. um, 
injustice should. Well, be. even but even James, the book of James, Ryan, gets into this, right? I mean, you know, James chapter five, you know, where he, where he sort of talks in a very condemning way towards the corrupt rich, you know, and James two, where he talks about the poor man that comes into church, and you know, and so I think I think. I don't think anybody can argue that justice, biblical justice, and shalom, as Shamal has so eloquently defined for us, I think that that's that's a part of the gospel. That it's got to be, um, and uh, Jesus Himself. But I think I think what's happened is we polarized, and I think people, Christians, have polarized. You're either this or you're this. You can't be both. And Tim Keller makes a very compelling art. You got to watch this. I actually sent it to somebody in the church today after I watched it. I said, you got to watch this. It's so good. But he says, here's the problem. And it comes back to what you're indicating, Ryan. I think the problem with progressive Christians today, I'm concerned. The problem with progressive Christians, or maybe some people will call liberal Christians, is I don't think they're taking their cues from the Bible as much. I'm worried about that. I think they're taking their cues and their starting point from culture. So we just we can sometimes, in a very unthoughtful way, jump onto uh, cancel culture, woke culture, Black Lives Matter, and just jump onto it without say, well, what does the Bible, you know, what does my theological framework teach me about this? How should I respond to this? And how should I interpret this? You know, but I think what's happening is it's become very cool to sort of jump on that bandwagon and identify ourselves with that. And I think. We have to be a little bit more critical in our thinking, I think, about how we approach these issues. And I think, um, but I think we have to start with the Bible. And I think I love, like with Tim Keller, I mean, the kind of church that he, you know, grew in New York with Redeemer Church, attracting a lot of younger, you know, audiences, right? And, uh, but he was speaking a language that I think they could, you see, I know that justice is important to you. But something that I wanted to bring out, the problem we have is um, there's a concern about justice in sort of the political, what am I trying to say, in the public arena, I guess, if I could say this that way. But personal piety has kind of gone out the window. So it's kind of like Bill Clinton was all about justice, but he's with Monica Lewinsky. And, and so it's like, I've got all these, you know, moral failings in my life that maybe I'm not paying attention to. And I might be very dishonest in a lot of areas in the private sphere, but that doesn't really matter so much because I'm doing all this over here. And I'm thinking it's, I think it needs to be both. I, and I think what I'm concerned about with um, the progressive side of Christianity is that I think righteousness and, and, and I think it's the sense of moral purity and piety and relationship with God and the love love of God love that it's that is is it really rooted in love for God does it really flow from that uh, and a love of his word and and of the covenant that you talked about or does it flow from some other thing or does it come from a place of pride and a cool factor I don't know but I'm, I'm worried about that. But the, on the other side of it is with the conservative Christians, I'm concerned that they're very, very quick to be very condemning of Black Lives Matter, you know, woke culture and, you know, all of that. And very quick to, um, you know, rush to judgment on some of these things without really 
you know, because I've already heard from people that this whole thing with the schools, uh, Conrad Black just recently wrote something. Did you read it? Yeah, and he's talking about this. He said, so, you know, what what are these graves? You know, they, we, you know really, have they really, you know, have, this just came out of the news and everybody rushes to judgment and says, this is what it is. And so I thought it was interesting to hear what he had to say, but I think that there's a lot of people that just, they're not buying it. You know, and a lot of those are, I think, are conservative evangelicals. But I'm concerned that we're not having a really good conversation about it. Yeah, and I, I mean, honestly, my concern is even just the use of the language, right? Like that we identify as being conservative or, or progressive evangelicals or Christians, because that immediately slaps on. And we talked about this before as well. Like it slaps on like a, a partisan political lens onto onto our onto our engagement with Scripture. We should be the other way around, right? Like I am, I am, I am a, I'm a Christian. Like I'm not progressive yes. or, or, or conservative. Like I'm, I'm a Christian who, amen. Who, who like who who believes in the in the in the primacy supremacy of God as revealed through Jesus His Son in the Bible and 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 that and everything else flows out of that. Amen. And and I think I mean there's increasingly been and there there have actually been studies done by uh, the Barna Group and some other groups as well in the states in particular that look as increasingly in the states we see. Uh, Christians, like evangelicals in particular, it doesn't matter what, what side of the aisle you fall on, progressive, conservative, whatever, evangelicals in particular are increasingly identifying their, uh, are, are being shaped by their polit- like partisan political leanings primarily, and that's allowing them to, like their, their engagement with scripture and with Christian, with their faith is primarily shaped by cable news and by yeah. And I the know. political sort of partisan that, figures. That, and that was Tim Keller's concern. And this is, I mean, I know Keller has has spoken about this. And I mean, you just said, like he said, like, why can't we be all four of those? Because that's what we're actually called to do, right? Like as, as as Christians, we're, we're we're called to to care about the unborn. We're called to care about. We're supposed we're called to 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 a certain uh, sexual ethic, uh, but we're also called to enact justice. And all of this, all of that is is is, is sort of a thrust towards. Uh, the, the kingdom of God, right? Like it's it's, it's 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 meant to embody and show this is what God's kingdom is looks like, and this is what it's meant to be, and this is what we were created to be. Uh, and and the good news is yes, that we have forgiveness of sins. That is the gospel Amen. that that Jesus died for our sins, and we have forgiveness of that. But it is also that Jesus is now King, right? Like I, I mean, I've said this before, and I think that as as like uh, certainly my. The, the the evangelical traditions that I have been steeped in forget that part of it a lot, like the fact that 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 Jesus is King, and that He is now reigning over the world, and His kingdom is breaking in, and it's it's coming about, right? And so that is also the good news, and and because Amen. of that, it's because of that, uh, it because He lives, I can face tomorrow, but also because He is King, I cannot just face tomorrow, but I can be I can be confident. That regardless of what whatever happens, that God will bring to completion the good work that He has started in me, and that um, that the kingdom work will continue, right? Like whether whether it's through me or whether it's through somebody else, the work that we do will 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 have eternal repercussions. And so, 
like those, those terms are just I, I just don't I just don't like them at all because they yeah. immediately uh, capture like a certain partisan uh, political view and essentially where where we're speaking the language of Babylon then right and where where we're, we're sort of uh, where where we're putting on the frameworks of, of of sort of Babylonian thinking onto onto the way we engage with 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 our neighbors and and then we start deciding like who's worthy of of love and who's not and so on and the thing is like that's not what we're supposed to be doing we, yes we're working towards the good of Babylon, but we're primarily drawing our cues from 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 Jesus and, and Scripture, right? So yes, and and by the way, I loved your emphasis on the kingdom because it is a reminder that His kingdom is breaking in, and He does rule. He is Lord of all, um, and even if we're not aware of it, but He's sovereign over His creation. And and you know, so one of the things about this is um, somebody. Kerry Newhoff asked uh, Tim Keller, he said, well, do you think that we should still petition government when we think that we're losing our our religious rights and all that? And he said, sure. He said, I think we can write petitions. And he said, I'd be willing to sign one if, we, if I thought we were losing some of our religious liberties. But he said, that's not the main battle. Like it was really interesting. Like it was, but the, what's happening is Christians are really worried that we're going to lose our status in our country. This goes back to a previous conversation we've had, but that we're going to lose it. And so um, on the one hand, sure, let's use our constitutional rights. Let's use our vote and our voice. You know, let's, sure, that, let's do that. But let's be civil. Let's not use violence and or violent rhetoric. You know, let's do it in love. But I think at the end of the day, we don't have to be worried. And the church has fared very, very well under persecution. Uh, <laughs> you know, and um, I, I, that, that was a great reminder about that we need to be focused that you know jesus is king he still is yeah and, and I, I mean Lord of his church and and coming back to 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 that question ryan that ryan asked so what do we do next as well like i think uh, you, you know I, th I think it's important for us to to um to engage to to educate ourselves to learn so like colleen is doing by taking this course yes. through ua yeah. yeah it is it is important to learn and and i don't think that there's a good way and a bad way to do it. Like, I don't think it is uh, healthy to ask uh, anybody that we might know who has an in in indigenous blood to like explain to us. Because the thing is, it's already been explained time and time again, right? Like, like I said, like six years spent with the TRC putting that report together. And then in 2017, like two years was spent putting together another report on missing and murdered indigenous women, right? Uh, 2,500 women uh, found families were engaged in that 6,000 plus people engaged with the, with the first TRC. So, I mean, the stories out there, the narratives are plentiful. Uh, 94 recommendations have been given 253 in the missing and murders in this, in this woman's one. So all the recommendations out there as well, it is up to us to, to learn, but I think the learning needs to happen with, you know, engaging with the resources on one hand, so to speak, and holding the Bible on the other hand, like we have to, we yes. have to be doing both at the same time. That's we correct. We need to be reading and engaging with these resources while being formed by scripture. Like we cannot, mm, we I cannot, agree. we cannot divorce those two. Great. Um, and then like, once we've done the learning, as we've been prayerfully uh, through like a deeply formed uh, Jesus formed life, as we engage with this learning, there will be, and, and as we do so prayerfully, there will be opportunities that arise. There will be thoughts that come about that we can then be intentional about, okay, coming up, figuring out, okay, you know what, there are these six, um, for example, these six calls to, to churches uh, made in the TRC report. Uh, we've done our learning, and we're still doing our learning, 
but can we address these six uh, somehow? Is there any way that we can do so in a, in a God honoring way? Um, and and I'm just using this as an example of like something we we could be doing, uh, and then kind of move in that direction. So I think we need like, yeah, we can do it, but we need to do so wisely and yeah. in like. What are a, the six? What are the six? Um, I don't. Remember. What are some of them? So, for example, uh, one of them is. Because that's practical, what you're saying. That, that may be something we can bite into. Right. So, uh, for example, the call to action number 48, right? It calls churches and faith groups to draw on the, uh, to engage, to to learn the UN, um, the UN Declaration on the Rights of in- Indigenous People. It's called the UNDRIP or the UN DRIP. Okay. Uh, a framework for because they have a framework for reconciliation, which includes policies, program, and practices, and then to figure out a way that we can bridge that, like based on the UN DRIP framework, okay. is there a way okay. that we can we can bring our policies and programs and practices somehow in line with some of those things? Good. Is there room for for connection there? And then uh, your recommendation number sixty calls on churches to develop and teach in collaboration with indigenous. Uh, leaders, survivors, and schools of theology, seminaries, and other religious training centers, curriculum for all, for all student clergy and all clergy and staff who work in, hmm. in, in, in communities on the need to respect indigenous uh, spirituality and views in its own right, hmm. the history and legacy of residential schools and the roles of the church parties in that system, okay. and so on, right? And I, I know certainly listening to indigenous uh, theologians, like two voices that I've been listening a lot to lately, I've been uh, Dr. Mark McDonald, who's uh, Indigenous, but also he's the head of the Anglican Church's Indigenous um, Reconciliation Task Force, um, an Indigenous representative, actually, of like the Indigenous Anglican Church of Canada. Uh, and there was a position that was created specifically as a response to the TRC. Uh, and then another a Baptist theologian, uh, her name's Dr. Cheryl Bear, uh, who I've been engaging with a lot. And they, they uh, you know, they have some really useful things like for example share uh, dr dr barry talks about um you know brian you mentioned what alana did when she was um mm-hmm. leading that time of, of lament which was she yeah. started off with a land acknowledgement right uh this idea of like you know the, we are on the unceded territories of yeah. these all these all these groups and she talks about how that is actually might seem like a very um like is this actually a meaningful thing to do um from people, but she was like, as 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 an indigenous person, we have a really close, meaningful, tight relationship to the land. Like the land is 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 part of us in a way that is really hard to to communicate to to people who are not indigenous. And so, as soon as you 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 do a land acknowledgement, for example, it communicates to anybody who has indigenous heritage that that you are actually welcoming them. By hmm. saying this space is like safe to you because we are acknowledging this that this hmm. that this has happened and this wow. is meaningful to you. It might hmm. not be very meaningful to us because we yeah. cannot we cannot right. understand yeah. uh, really and fully empathize. But we it's important to you, and so we're we're doing this. It's almost like so. A it's mission. not just it's not just token. Then no. it's it's got okay. It's got a missional it's got a missional instinct to it. Is what yeah is I, I didn't know that I didn't know that okay. Um and so. Uh, so I mean, so that's like you know, that's, that's one of the things that I I, I sort of was like, wow, I I, I you know, I never I would never have thought of it that way because I'm no, you know, I mean, I'm I'm a settler myself, and I have I have no particular emotional connection to to yep. to to any land because I've never been on any any piece of land for, for long enough, yeah. anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. and neither have my ancestors really. So like, yeah. 
you know, I, I can't understand it, but if it's important to you, it's not going to cost me anything. No, but it's to, validate, to it's validating this. that that is important to them. And yeah. that's, I think that's really an important, and that, again, that's love. I mean, love should be willing to do that. I don't even have to feel it to have that kind of, like, you know, because there's an empathy there, right? I mean, I mean, that goes back to the, the, the like, we should be doing this maybe, but it shouldn't be because we want we want to look a certain way no. or, you know, we want to be a woke church, right. right? But it's because we're doing it in love, right? And I think that that's really important. Yeah, yeah Ryan, absolutely. Because we have to really check our motives here uh, because, you know, so this is like a bit of a, you know, the flavor of the month, you know, last year is George Floyd, you know, uh, so in, now for us right now, this has come. So, and this is what happened. Things come into our purview, and then everybody jumps on that. And uh, but I think that one of the things, as you were saying, uh, Shamal, it'd be really good. And and you're a board member. Uh, I think at some point we need to bring this to the attention of our staff and board and uh, and these six whatever they're called resolutions or whatever or actions. I think also why not bring in some of these people, these speakers. And do I'm not sure if it should be Sunday morning or maybe a podcast or maybe a forum in our church where we can do it on a Sunday night and invite people to come, um, you know, have coffee and you know whatever, and 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 listen to them and have them teach us. Um, I think there's a variety of things that we can do. Um, you know, should we have some kind of an outreach to, like, again, I. Not saying necessarily evangelistic outreach necessarily. I'm just saying more like a way. I was thinking if you've tried to to love a community of people and you go and you say, "Hey, we're that church over there, First Church of the Nazarene," and we just we just want to know: is there anything we could do to help you and encourage you? Is is there something you need that we could? No strings attached, you know. Like that's where you start and. And maybe they just say, well, if you could just listen to us and listen to our stories, well, great, great, we'll do that then. But I mean, I don't know, like, I'm just wondering, what does that look like? And what does that mean for the for making Christ-like disciples? Yeah. I, yeah. And I, I mean, I think, um, you know, like someone like Colleen has, has already started um, that journey as well by taking this course, right? Like she's educating herself. Uh, and I know she's also like a deeply formed Christian too, right? So I, I have no doubt that she's continuing her, uh, you know, engagement with scripture and God while learning this stuff as well. And so I think like that is an important first step that I would, um, like I was thinking about this myself. I was like, you know, it would be great for us to, um, and maybe this is this most speaks to the way I'm I'm hardwired, which is you know I'm I'm a sort of a researcher at heart as well. Like I, yeah. I, I like I like doing research and engaging with this stuff, and being sort of creating like a framework of understanding before before going out and, and doing something. Yes, yes. And so um, I was like you know I was actually tossing around in my head. I was like, what if I start like a reading group of like um, anyone who's interested in in delving deeper into in, into indigenous issues. Uh, let's let's commit to you know let's put together a reading list and let's engage with this mm. stuff. Let's learn uh, and let's teach each other. What are we learning? And uh, and let's pray and teach each other. So we're 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 in, intentionally sort of bringing these two strands together. Uh, and I have no doubt that maybe months from now, weeks from now, maybe a year from now, who knows? Uh, like I want to leave time for for the Holy Spirit to 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 work through that formation. 
like I'm sure there will be something that emerges out of that, like some yeah. some co- sort of concrete ideas so. as to like this is what we need to be doing. Here's who we can be connecting with. Uh, and I mean, the resources are the thing is like resources are right there at our doorstep, right? Like all these reports are there for the, for the reading. Yeah. yeah so I, I I think that that would be like my sort of bias to is like concrete sort of first steps to take. Uh, that's a good starting point. The, the criticism that I could hear us getting is again, the sort of the flavor of the month thing that yeah. we're letting the tail wag the dog here. Every time something happens in the world or in Canada, we all just, oh, let's all rush over to there now and do that. And then something else crops up in the news. It becomes the next story of the, the day or the year. And we, all, we run over to that and saying, so where's our core in this? Like, are we just latching on to whatever's in the news and trying to look relevant? You know, or I don't think that's what we're doing here. I really don't. And I do think that I think it's right that if Christians become aware of an injustice or an opportunity that yesterday we were not aware of, that I think it'd be foolish for us to just say, hey, we're not going to worry about that because that's just something that, you know, we we already know who we are. We're already going in this direction and we don't want anything to distract us so we're going to put our blinders on here and we're going to just pretend that it isn't out there so let's just forget about it and let's just do what we do because we know what our hedgehog concept is mm-hmm. you know but i think there's a there's a tendency for that to happen just to put on the blinders to i think just let's just not go there and if we do go there at all we'll probably just say it, it doesn't really matter or just say it's all political you know what I mean? But I do I do know there's voices like that out there yeah. that we're just going to be chasing after. I mean, one way I would respond to that is I think the core isn't, you know, we're moving towards um, whatever our, our mission is or whatever. Mm. Like the core is how we respond um, in love to events that happen around us yes right? and, and how do we yes like like we said before how do we bring shalom to yes all the different situations and this is the situation that's being presented right now i agree um and it's not like we're yeah I, and and it also yeah if we were to like start doing something and then all of a sudden you know drop it because there's something newer and shinier right like yep. obviously the, right. the heart isn't there and we weren't doing that in love right um, I agree. But, and and there's know. a tension, there's a tension in there, obviously, you know, um, yeah. but I, you know, it's interesting when September 11th happened, 2001 and the terrorist attacks, people were going about doing their core business or they were having their day off, but there was a crisis. There was a need. And guess what people did? They ran to that need, you know, well, some ran away. <laughs> but a lot of people ran into it and put their lives at risk because they said, you know what? This is happening here now. We got to pay attention to this and do something about it. And if a year later, there's another big crisis, there's going to people that are going to get in their car or jump on an airplane and they're going to go to where that fire is and they're going to try to do something about it. And I think... Yeah, I mean, and you look at you look at Jesus too, right? His life, I mean, he was very distracted or oh, you could say distracted wow. by a lot, a lot of people yes. coming to him wanting, wanting healing. Like, you know, this is not like Ooh. I'm here to teach. And, and Great example. No, really. Like most of the stories, like the hemorrhaging woman, 
Yeah. Like he was on the way to heal Jairus' daughter. And you think, uh, Jesus, don't get distracted with this over here. Yeah. And, and I mean, and I mean, I think also like reconciliation is, is also like a quote. I mean, this is, it, I mean, we don't say Jesus maybe using that language quite as much, but Paul does, right? Like the ministry of reconciliation that God is carrying out uh, of reconciling us to him. Mm-hmm. Um, like that is part of it as well, right? Like that is part of like what we are called to be doing as well is or messengers of reconciliation, messengers of reconciliation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, so tag that on to like, justice shalom bringing like all of those things they all sort of right together here right like we do it is it is it is which is why i which is why i resist i want to resist uh jumping on like cultural bandwagons when they come up uh i mean right now there's certainly i mean i'm I'm on twitter um a fair bit uh social media and like there's a lot of like chatter around like oh we need to like tax the heck out of churches uh since they've been they've been um yeah. historically involved with this like tax them and like uh and then like provide rep- reparations to 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 mm. to first nations people and i was like maybe i don't know i don't know but like I, i'm pretty sure like all of you guys who are shouting this uh, um like screaming this into twitter have not done any sort of deep study or deep engagement with the issue and are you actually aware of the fact that the government has actually already provided reparations on two occasions in 2008 under Stephen Harper the federal government uh provided reparation of two billion dollars in total to to survivors of of uh, residential schools and then in uh, 2018 and uh, or 17 under the, the liberals uh they provided uh something like 400 million or 800 million dollars mm-hmm. in reparations to people who were part of the 60s scoop um and so uh you know reparations have been provided but that yeah. is that is only that is such a small that is one part of it there's so much more to it and the deeper you engage with and i mean again I've, I've done some of this work on the front lines as a social worker like the more you engage like you see how much brokenness there is and how much systemic issues there are as well and just throwing money at the problem is is not going to make it go away right right and just taking down statues is not going to solve the fact that uh, a majority of uh indigenous people who live on reserves still don't have clean running water right yeah uh, and that they're living in dismal housing conditions uh on on reservations like that is not going to be solved by taking down statues and 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 that has not been solved by providing these sorts of reparations and i think there's a lot more to it so i think this is why like i i i just like well by the way this idea of like taxing churches and stuff that that's that's a punitive retributive type of justice right and i think but what we should do though is say you know you know maybe not but you know what we should do let's do something that is practical and helpful and restorative and shalom oriented. Like just, we should get out there and do something, you know, like, um, but I don't, yeah, I don't think it is about punishing us for the sins of our forebears. I I, I don't think a punitive approach is right. But I know people would just love to do that, you know. I mean, I I think there's, there's like a feeling of like, again, like this, uh common secular notion of like justice is fairness like well it's just fair like if uh, it's for like this uh, this it's very like eye for an eye tooth for a tooth right like this yeah. is how i see like an eye has been taken and so i'm going to take an eye out but there's no full understanding of like well was it actually an eye that was taken out or was there a lot more taken out uh and like do we need to like wh- what does like what what does restoration actually look like and the thing is like like you look at the again like the biblical concept of restoration how it's acted out like it is um 
like I think there's there's a good reason why Jesus used the like gardening metaphors often for his uh, his parables for like the the kingdom of God and how it functions, right? Yeah. Like it wasn't just random. In that, yes, I think people understood gardening, agrarian society, but I think it also speaks to the methods and modes of of, of how God's kingdom actually works. In that, it is, it is, it is not necessarily like a flash in the pan thing where you can just kind of like throw a solution and be like, okay, now we're done. Now we can move on. That's fixed. You know, hands dusted, moved on. Uh, you know, gardening and growth and 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 cultivation of 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 uh, agricultural products. You know, it takes time, patience, energy, and can often be like a uh, something that takes that stretches out over like a long stretch of time, right? So I think the kingdom work in terms of reconciliation and bringing about justice and wholeness is, is, is going to be a long-term thing. Like it's not something we can fix by throwing money at it just now. It's not something we can fix by doing one, you know, one, one mission strip or whatever, uh, or one, one exchange. Like we need to, like it, it, it takes, it takes hard work, commitment, and it takes building relationships. Like how can we love people that we don't know? Right. We need to know people so that we can love them. Uh, And so like we need to like build that trust. That, 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 and all those things that takes time, effort, and and um, investment, intentional investment, right? So uh, this is why I'm just like, you know what? Like all these solutions, so-called solutions, you guys are throwing out, you know, go to town. As Christians, we need to like start by building a deep foundation here, and then you know allow God to take us where that foundation takes us over the future. Again, as Sarmal alluded to, there are many resources. If you want to deepen your understanding of Indigenous history and issues, go to firstnaz.ca slash podcast and click on episode 6 to find a list. We know there's so much more to cover and acknowledge there are many other great perspectives and questions out there and want to hear from you. You can leave a comment or question there or send us an email at mindthegap at firstnaz.ca. Now, let's go make Christ-like disciples with a heart for God and passion for people.